All right, boys, welcome back to week 14 of the Throne League podcast. Uh, we're back. Playoff preview coming up here. We got some exciting matchups to look into. Johnny, I know it's been rough for you. Uh, what do you got to say, or do you want to just get right into this? Yeah, Jacob, been a tough year, obviously, but uh, this week was the final week of the regular season for fantasy football. So now it gets to, you know, nut cutting time. This is the exciting time of year. We're going to kick off the first round of the playoffs this week. So you will be on by along with Jack, but there is a couple matchups that we do still have to preview in the winner's bracket. And obviously there'll be um, a couple of matchups in the consolation ladder as ESPN deems it. It's really just the loser's bracket, but I guess they're nice um, that we'll, they'll maybe take a look at, but mostly the focus is going to be on the playoff matchups. Um, but before we get there, Jacob, obviously this past week, um, did still have some action, even though there wasn't any major changes to how the playoffs laid out. Um, we still had a full slate of games. Uh, so would you like to break down some of those matchups for us? Yeah, I can do that for you. Us. All right, we'll start off with my matchup for Stino. This one came down right to the end of Monday Night Football where uh, um, Hollywood Brown could not get 0.9 points for uh, or 0.6 points for Stino to take the dub. So I took it 127.4 to 126.8, keeping my win streak alive going into playoffs. Uh, next matchup, Jack, lowest performance of his year. He probably didn't like that going into playoffs, but he took down Aiden 98.5 to 65.9. Uh, coming into the next matchup, uh, Nutter took down uh, Johnny 107.8 to 56 points. That might be the lowest on the year. We'll have to do some facts check, fact checking on that, but rough, rough week for Johnny. Uh, Bryce had his best performance of the year so far, 160.8 over uh, Brian's 134.5, uh, which brought him out of the bottom two seeds. Uh Caden in a last-minute sweater to try to get into the playoff finals, uh, but came up short. Um, he took down Jake 152.6 to 82.9. Caden's season uh, ends without the playoffs, so he'll be in the loser's bracket. Uh, and then Joe took down Scott 113.2 to 103.3. Scott limps into playoffs, but he makes it in with his high points for from earlier in the year. Uh, Johnny, anything stick out to you in this these matchups? Uh, yeah, you know, it was pretty interesting that, you know, the two highest scoring teams from this week are both going to be heading to uh, the loser's bracket. So I don't know what that's, you know, you talk about Caden does miss out, but clearly Caden's got a talented team um, and none of those guys are going to be contributing in the playoffs. So it will be interesting to see. Um, you're right. Scott did limp in a little bit, still got there, lost uh, Ramondre Stevenson to injury on Monday Night Football. So that matchup might have gone a little bit differently. Um, but really, that was just the appetizer, and we'll talk about that in a bit. But Scott will play Joe again this week, so they'll be right right back at it again. And uh, this time, it'll be for, for all the marbles, at least win and keep playing on in the playoffs. Um, but yeah, no, nothing too crazy from this past week. Obviously, your matchup uh, was pretty interesting, the way that that came down on Monday Night Football. And the injury to Kyler Murray certainly um, is going to affect not just what happened this week, uh, but could potentially hinder some guys going forward. I don't know what we're going to expect out of Arizona. As I'm thinking about it, though, I mean, uh, you know, Marquise Brown's stock will be down. I was going to say DeAndre Hopkins' stock will be down, um, most likely. But, you know, time will tell. We'll have to see um, how Arizona comes off that. There was a few injuries this week. A couple of guys got put into con to concussion protocol, a few quarterbacks that was. Um, seemed like 
Mike White for the Jets nearly got killed in the Buffalo Bills game. Uh, he was tough. He knew he was fighting for his career, so he came back into that game and tried to gut it out. Thank God, because Joe Flacco came in, Jacob, and the first play he came in after Mike White left with injury, he fumbled. Or he threw an incompletion, he fumbled. He came in at like two different points or whatever, because Mike White got banged up, left, came back in, got banged up, left, came back in. I mean, he was fighting. Um, they ended up coming up short of the Bills. But, you know, all in all, it was a solid way to round out. Um, uh, the regular season obviously there was no major shifts in the playoffs Caden gave it as good of a go as anybody could reasonably expect it was a large barrier to overcome to get in um, so no real sweat there um, but yeah all, all in all it was certainly a regular season to remember um, but now it's time Jacob for us to take a look at the matchups for week one of the playoffs um, would you like to bring us in on a matchup you like to preview um, yeah, let me pull those boys up. I'm sorry, um, I just realized, I, ju- I jumped ahead on the slate. We don't, would you rather, we're no, going to no, try no, a new no. segment, this is perfect. I feel this like is I figure we can go to it after we preview the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's do, a, let's do the rematch. Uh, okay. Let's do Scott versus uh, Joe, because, you know, Scott's been limping in. Um, let me uh, get another window open up here so I can do some better stats. Um. What's he lost so far straight? He's on a three-game lose streak where Joe's on a seven-game win streak. So, you know, it's it's polarizing ends right there. Um, but really what you kind of, I don't know, which team are you kind of like leaning towards and what kind of gives them the edge? Or do you have a, a certain side that you're looking at, Johnny? Well, you know, Jacob, it is interesting because obviously these two teams did match up. And what's eerily similar, as I'm pulling up, this is actually a pretty neat view from ESPN, but it shows me both of their matchups from this past season. Um, so Joe is actually already 2-0 and on the season against Scott. He beat him in Week 3, 115.4 to 99.3. And he beat him in Week 14, 113.2 to 103.3. Very close games, very similar. Uh, it seems like when Scott runs into Joe, he, he struggles to get that offense going a little bit. Um, obviously that's been a little bit of a struggle for Scott towards the latter half of the season. He got pretty hot in the middle, which was enough to get him into the playoffs. Um, and as you mentioned, Joe's on a solid win streak coming in, um, helped out by Tony Pollard's emergence as, uh, one of a two headed attack from Dallas where actually both Elliott and Pollard have been able to put up some pretty decent fantasy scores, which is rare when you see a running back by committee, but also you have to mention the Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs combo, Garrett Wilson's breakout as a rookie, um, you know, Joe's had a lot of stuff trending in the right direction. Um, but when I look for having the edge in this matchup, clearly the injury to Ramondre Stevenson for Scott is going to be something to watch. Um, coming into this week, Ramondre Stevenson is the ninth running back in fantasy, um, which is really, really excellent. Scott got great value out of that pick. It's always hard to pick a guy out of the New England backfield, but clearly Stevenson's won over the trust of Bill Belichick, which is hard to do. He's got great receiving value, which provides him a nice floor. Plays Las Vegas, which is a gravy matchup if he's going to be healthy. That's definitely um, going to be crucial to see what his status is going into this week. I believe it was labeled as an ankle injury when he left against Arizona. It's going to be on a short week. Obviously, they played on Monday, and he'll go to Sunday, I believe, is when they play um, that matchup. We do also have the three games on Saturday, which could add an interesting wrinkle because the guys will be playing on uh, potentially one day less rest than they would normally. Um, but talking about X factors in this matchup, Jacob, I think I'm going to have to look at Joe Mixon, who has had a fine year with one week. You know, that kind of catapults him. Right now, he is the position rank number 11 at running back. He missed 
uh, the two games prior to this week due to injury, uh, but he was able to return. Samaj P. Ryan has also carved out a role for himself in that offense, which he was able to show that he can manage when uh, Mixon missed some time. Uh, but the thing for Mixon, you know, he had 55 points against Carolina, scored four touchdowns. Every other week, he has been consistent, but not game-changing. You know, so it's going to kind of be what form are we going to see from Mixon? He's going to play against Tampa Bay, um, who defensively has been a little bit all over the place. Um, and offensively, they're, they're, Tampa's coming off of a really horrible loss to the 49ers, a really disgusting. This is this is the Tom Brady, Joe Montana connection where Joe Montana left the 49ers and went to play for the Chiefs and sucked ass. This is this is Brady staying on <laughs> for maybe one year too long. It's been horrific to watch. But um, for Scott's team, Jacob, I'm going to circle Joe Mixon. Um, and then obviously the health of Ramondre Stevenson, I think, is crucial. When I look at Joe's side, I mean, all these guys are pretty solid. You know, Tyler Lockett maybe, you know, is his position rank eight at wide receiver, which I'm surprised at seeing that. Not because I don't think Lockett's bad. I just didn't realize that's where he stacked up um, numbers wise. But I don't see any questionable tags on any of his players. You know, Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs are going to go on Saturday night against Miami in a huge divisional matchup. There's a lot at stake for that game. And what we've learned is that when there's a lot on the, when there's a lot on the line, Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs tend to deliver. Um, and that matchup uh, itself will be pretty star-studded because Scott also is going to have Jalen Waddle going. And uh, as it sits right now, he has Dawson Knox slotted in to start. Um, so that will just be a game in general to circle um, watching that Miami-Buffalo game, which which should be a fun one, hopefully. Um, and that Saturday night slot, that's a fun one. Um, outside of that, you know, I, I'm not too sure, Jacob. Who, who are you looking at in this matchup? Well, one interesting thing I want to note is Scott currently has Mike Williams on his bench, um, which... You know, maybe he's trying to ride his three running backs or maybe he's waiting out the Stevenson designation to see where he wants to place him in there. But I feel like, you know, Mike Williams had a great game, uh, 23 points last week. Um, would I feel like you, you have to start him coming into this first round of the playoffs. You know, Tennessee's been up and down throughout the year and the Chargers are playing for their season. So we'll see what he does there. That's definitely one thing I'm going to be looking out for uh, when, you know, lineups get locked in Saturday and uh, Sunday but uh, yeah it'll be interesting and then you know we've been saying it all along for Joe's team it's the Allen Diggs um, matchup or duo kind of combo package that he's got going they play Saturday night uh, against the Dolphins last uh, time the Bills and the Dolphins matched up Josh Allen you know he was a little bit injured in that but he still pulled out 26 points uh against uh, Miami, in Miami, so they're coming to Buffalo. You know, it might be a cold one. I haven't been able to check the weather, but that could be a key factor going into this matchup. So, um, yeah, I think you touched on a lot of great points, but those are some of the stuff that I'm going to be looking at. Yeah, another, just um, in noting about Tyler Lockett, Seattle is going to play um, against San Francisco on Thursday night football in a divisional matchup. Now, Seattle is coming off of a loss to the Carolina Panthers. Um, which is a bit of a head-scratcher. Obviously, the Seahawks were without Ken Walker and DJ Dallas, so the running back was, or the running back field was was hindered for sure. Um, but, you know, defensively, I mean, Carolina was able to kind of have their way with them. Uh, Carolina's actually been pretty effective when they've been able to run the ball, um, which was the case. I believe they had two rushers go up over 70 yards this past week, um, which is encouraging potentially for 
uh, the future, what Carolina might do, but that's kind of beside the point. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see because San Francisco's running red hot. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo goes down with injury and people... It's tough, Jacob, because you talk about Garoppolo, or at least when I talk about him, I tend to talk about him as a game manager. I don't think he's a guy that pushes you over the top, but I think he's a guy who can complement pieces that do put you over the top. Pieces like Debo Samuel, which is another thing to talk about. It looks like he's going to miss the rest of the season. Uh, guys like Christian McCaffrey, guys like George Kittle, even what we've seen from Brandon Ayuk this year. You know, he can kind of complement and bring those guys out to their best level rather than kind of. Uh, you know, making the team better just by himself. Um, but Garoppolo goes down, Brock Purdy comes in, you know, he's got a big set of balls on him, apparently. He was Mr. Irrelevant from this past year's draft. And uh, a 35-7 to win over Tampa, it has not been a great year for Tampa, but that's still a major statement um, to lay it down like that. So, you know, is there a little bit of worry about how Seattle's going to perform? They're coming off of a tough loss, and... Um, from what we've seen of San Francisco's defense recently, it looks like it's playing at playoff caliber. They seem to be pretty healthy across the board, at least as far as that's been for them this season. Um, you know, as I mentioned, Tyler Lockett is position eight wide receiver. Uh, currently, Joe's got him slotted in the flex. He's got Stephon Diggs and Garrett Wilson ahead of him, both obviously very talented guys. But, you know, Tyler Lockett's been known to have huge games at times, especially, but he runs into a tough matchup on Thursday. I always just kind of in the psychology in the psychology of fantasy football think that Thursday night performances are really important, even though in the grand scheme it doesn't matter at all, because obviously your team is just going to do what your team does. But it just feels like if you don't get off to the right start with a Thursday night matchup, it can be hard to overcome um, that deficit that you're sort of working off of. So it'll be interesting to see how Tyler Lockett starts it off, and then obviously a lot of points are going to come for both these teams on Saturday night. Um, and it'll just kind of be interesting to see in general how players react to being not on full rest. Um, that's always the interesting thing when they bring in the Saturday matchups is it is not a Thursday night football game where they really don't have any rest, but it's not a Sunday game. So, you know, is there a little bit of awkwardness there where players have a hard time prepping? And then also, um, you know, players are a little bit banged up at this point in the season, how their rest days might change a little bit with a Saturday matchup. Um, but ultimately, Jacob, I think it is worth noting that that Joe did win both of the matchups in the regular season and coming off of win last week. Scott's been struggling a little bit. Is Joe able to snowball that momentum? It seems like that Saturday night game, Miami versus Buffalo, is probably going to be key in deciding it. Um, but you also mentioned Scott has a couple lineup decisions to make. Is Stevenson going to go? Is Mike Williams going to come in? Um, is that going to mean that Scott will have to rely on Elvin Kamara, who's been... You know, inconsistent to say the least, even though I think Kamara is a great player in New Orleans just hasn't been, you know, in four to last five weeks, Kamara's had less than 10 points. So, you know, I think that there's a lot up in the air. I think what we've seen in both Mixon and Kamara, who have each had games over 40 points this year, they can lay it down. But it looks to me like maybe Joe's team is the, is the more consistent and uh, that bore through in both the regular season matchups where Joe put up just not crazy games, but just solid, consistent production over 112 points each game. And it was enough to get him. So is there going to be a big performance to save Scott or is Joe's consistency going to win out? Do you have any opinions on that, Jacob? You know, I think Joe's hot streak. You got to ride it. Um, and and Kamara's just been kind of dog shit this past couple of weeks. So it. You know, it's going to be tough to leave him on the bench, but I think Joe takes this one. You know, he's got the hot hand. He's got, you know, star studded, a star studded duo that can kind of win him games single handedly. Uh, so, and, you know, he's just got a well rounded team around it who's been peaking at the right time. 
Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna predict uh, Joe takes this matchup. All right. Well, just um, for a final wrap up on this matchup, ESPN is is going the other way. They currently project Scott as the lineups are listed to win by a score of one twenty four point two to one eighteen point six. Obviously, we know projections mean very little. We also didn't even mention because that's the other thing with previews is you can mention all these guys. But Scott's got Mahomes versus Houston. Um, if you want to talk about big splash performance, Mahomes has been great all year. Houston seems like a gravy matchup on paper. Um, weird week for Mahomes last week against Denver. Uh, he threw for 350 yards and three touchdowns, but he got intercepted three times. Um, he's turned over the ball quite a bit this year. I'm going to have to do quick math here, Jacob, but three, four, five, six, seven, nine, ten, eleven interceptions, it looks like on the year. Um, obviously with three of them coming last week against Denver. This is the third game and a three game road trip for Kansas City. They've been on the road since they played Cincy in week 13. Um, and Mahomes has not gotten over 20 points since week 11 against the Chargers. That's four weeks ago now. But on paper, Houston's a gravy matchup. Dallas wasn't quite able to take advantage of that, at least from the quarterback position. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, these are two very deserving playoff teams, so they have talent top to bottom. Um, and we're just going to have to wait and see. But, you know, the consistency in the win streak from Joe does seem to bode well in his favor. Um, but it'll be a fun one to watch, Jacob. Why don't Definitely. you get us started on the next matchup? Yeah, let's go to the other side of the winner's bracket here where it's the Battle of the Brothers, both 8-6. and six, You know, kind of a little bit of different seasons. You know, Stino started off pretty rough, and then he came out hot, was the hottest team in the league, and now he's falling back down to earth with uh, Jamar Chase going out. But, you know, he's got Chase back. Nope. Yes, he does have Chase, right? Yeah, he's got Jamar Chase. He was hiding him in his flex. Um <laughs> You know, they made the trade early in the year. Derrick Henry for Jamar Chase was pretty much the big play on that. Um, so we'll see if that's going to be a huge factor in this. And then another huge thing, Kyler Murray out for Jake. So uh, that kind of sets the matchup here. Um, oh, one last thing. If Steno would have beat me by that point six, he would have been the three seed. So it would have really shooken this whole thing up. So that, you know, you hope you don't dwell on that a lot, but... Uh, some interesting things to look at for how uh, Stino got into this position. But um, who jumps off the paper for you uh, on these two teams? Yeah, obviously it looks like, you know, it, it's going to be really critical to see what Jake does on the waiver wire this week because he does not have a quarterback on his bench. That Kyler Murray injury could be the kill shot. Um, you know, Jake, as you mentioned, has been has been a little high and low um, these last few weeks coming into the playoffs. Um, struggling to find some decent consistency and without Kyler Murray I mean <laughs> you know in my opinion the guy I'm aligned the most Kirk Cousins is on the other side he is position rank number 11 he's just a guy who does who does put up those fantasy points but having to go to the waiver wire Jacob for a quarterback in the first round of the playoffs is really tough ESPN on paper doesn't project this matchup to be close, but obviously that's because as it sits right now, Jacob or Jake, I'm sorry, Jake does not have a quarterback in, so that should bump up 10 or 15 points maybe. Even then, it'll still give a, a pretty significant edge to Sino, um, depending on who uh, Jake is willing to get up. I mean, Jacob, do you think it's worth it to kind of, this is impromptu, but to go to the waivers and see maybe if there's a quarterback there that we think could maybe keep Jake in this matchup? Because without you know, solid quarterback play. I think Jake's going to have a hard time. Um, the one plus is that he does have Derrick Henry and Devontae Adams, who are both guys that can just go out and win you games uh, with huge fantasy production. 
but you know, week one of the playoffs, you really need a quarterback. Um, do you think that there's anybody, Jacob, if you're able to pull it up and take a look, that, that yeah, might be looking, able to contribute? Yeah. Do you have the balls to start Brock Purdy Thursday night in your playoff matchup? Uh, you know, second start. He's going up against Seattle, as we kind of mentioned earlier. Is he going to be able to perform kind of how he did last game? You know, he was able to manage the team. They got away from the Bucks pretty early. So, um, you know, that would be a ballsy decision. Mike White is next on the projections, but, you know, he's he looked literally dead after that game. So, you know, <laughs> then you're going Dalton, Tannehill, Mac Jones, you know, Heineke, you know, divisional game, maybe he kind of gets a rushing touchdown or two. That would be an interesting one. Goff, you know, he's been pretty solid throughout the year, but he's got the Jets in New York. So that's going to be a tough matchup with that strong defense. And then you're looking at some real bad quarterbacks, <laughs> To continue, Pickett, who you know, um, did, did he get he got hurt last game? I yeah, believe. I believe he got concussed. Yeah, so you know, are they going to keep playing him? Two concussions on the year. Uh, then you got Denver's backup, uh, Brett Ripon, Matt Ryan, Derek Carr. Can you trust Derek Carr? You, you could do the stack of Devontae and Derek. You, you know, could. maybe that's what he's looking at. You know, then you got Desmond Ritter, who's going to be starting his first game. Baker Mayfield, Colt McCoy. You know, it's not great out there on the line. You it's know, not a pretty I think bunch. His, I think his best decisions, if he's got the sack to start Brock Purdy on a Thursday night or uh, to do the stack with uh, Derek Carr, even though he's been pretty lackluster this year, you hope that, you know, they could kind of try to salvage, get some reps in for next year. Um, you know, Darren Waller, I believe, is going to be playing this week, so maybe that will influence him a little bit. But, yeah, it's <laughs> this quarterback wire is pretty bleak and maybe Stino's looking at this wire waiver wire and might try to pick up a player to just to negate him from uh, his brother there on the other side well let's put it this way jacob i there probably is a guy here who will make a difference in the matchup right there's probably one of these guys that will break 20 points now ultimately depending on the matchup bears out that might not make a difference i don't know how it's going to go but there's probably one guy here that'll get you the 20 um, and it's a matter of who it is. You mentioned Goff's obviously had some some really prodigious games this year, uh, but he plays New York in New York, which seems like a death matchup. Um, but like you mentioned, Brock Purdy would certainly be ballsy. He does have a questionable designation. I didn't see that until just now that uh, it's an oblique slash ribs. He was a limited participant on a short week. I think they're going to stick with him. The issue, I think, with Purdy is that there's not a lot of passing volume. Uh, he's thrown for 210 and 185. Um, and his two appearances. Um, I The guy I might circle, Jacob, as X-Factor um, is Taylor Heineke, who plays the Sunday night football game, and we know he's a big game performer. It's against the Giants, who when they played in Week 13, he grabbed 17 points off of. They're actually, Washington had a weird schedule where they played in New York against the Giants, had their bye, and now they're going to host the Giants at home. If you know me, I love players coming off of bye. I think that that just seems to work out um i don't i think it's it's going to be critical and i always do think a good mark of a good fantasy football owner is how they're able to work the waiver wire and this is really as i said earlier this is not cut in time waiver wire decision here uh that jake really needs to figure out as i said i think there's someone here does he really get risky and roll it on baker mayfield no i don't think so you know desmond ritter there's the complete unknown he's probably gonna have rushing volume but he plays new orleans in a divisional matchup i don't think you can do that with your season on the line so it's gonna have to be brock purdy mike white 
it's probably not going to do Dalton. You mentioned maybe a stack with Derek Carr, who has had a fine year, except for the fact that last week was one of the worst weeks of all time. He managed this 2.3 points, um, and he plays New England, which is a pretty defense to face. Um, I think that's going to be worth it to, to look at, Jacob. But let's take a look at a couple other guys who might make the difference in this matchup. Um, but I do think it is important that we emphasize that because obviously quarterback production is is pretty essential. They're, they're guys who can really score a lot of points for you without necessarily doing a whole lot. Um, we mentioned, obviously, Devontae Adams and Derrick Henry are kind of the two X-factor players for Jake, the guys who can really push you over the edge. If you flip it to the other side for Steno, I mean... The year from Josh Jacobs, right? The Raiders decline his fifth year option. You know, Jacob, this is this is a side tangent, but I don't even know when I was watching. Or I guess yeah, they played Thursday night, so I was watching that Thursday night game. Um, and they were talking about Josh Jacobs, and they were almost framing it as a comparison to Aaron Judge, where prior to this MLB season, Aaron Judge turned down a two hundred million dollar deal, batted himself as people refer to it as, had his huge year, and then signed a deal for over three hundred million. Uh, now in the off season, um, and they compared Josh Jacobs to that, and I was just a little bit confused that announcers don't know what they're talking about because Josh Jacobs didn't decline his fifth year option. It's not his option to decline; it's a team option that the team declined. The team said, "Josh, no, we don't want your fifth year option, dude, because we think you're kind of busted because you really haven't had a good year since your rookie season." So I was a little bit confused. Josh Jacobs was not betting on himself; it wasn't his choice. But he's made the best of the situation he's been put in. He's had a really, really incredible year. He's the number two running back in all of fantasy, um, which I guarantee just about nobody would have seen coming in. Clearly, the run scheme from Josh McDaniels—you know, not a lot of what McDaniels has done this year for the Raiders has worked—but the run scheme has, and he's reinvigorated Josh Jacobs, who came off of a couple of tough years. Um, he does—he is marked with a questionable designation. As I'm taking a look here, Jacob, they literally don't have any information about it on his profile, so I, he's questionable with something. Plays New England. Which uh, you know, New England's usually pretty tough, but Josh Jacobs has proven that you know he can overcome that, and he's had so many huge weeks. You know, Jacob, just to go over the last few weeks: 19, 21, 48, 19, 22. I mean, he's running hot for sure. So that's going to be crucial. Uh, I mentioned Kirk Cousins. Obviously, he's he's finished out pretty solid. Mark Andrews. You know, the tight end group this year has really shrunk in terms of what classifies as a good tight end. Here's the deal with Mark Andrews this week, Jacob. They're going to play Cleveland on Saturday. Baltimore Ravens are, and it's probably going to be the third-string quarterback. Now, Mark Andrews is coming off of a string of games that hasn't been real pretty. Since week seven, the last time he faced the Browns, when he, which he finished with four-tenths of a point, he's also had 6.3, 12.3, 11%, 9.4, and 3.7. Um, this will be their second game on a two-game road trip with a rookie quarterback most likely on a Saturday short week. You know, clearly being number two at tight end means that obviously you've had good tight end production, but they just haven't been able to generate a lot because the tight end group is so shallow that they haven't been able to do a lot of damage overall in the fantasy matchup. But we know the kind of player Mark Andrews is. Is he going to be able to find some chemistry? You know, Jacob, maybe he catches nine passes for 25 yards. You know what I mean? I don't know what Baltimore is going to do. I assume they're going to run the ball a lot against Cleveland would be my best guess. I think they're going to run it, run it, run it, run it. So I don't know what that's going to mean for Mark Andrews overall. Um, and as I look here, you know, we could talk about defenses. Um, we did mention with Patrick Mahomes having the gravy matchup against Houston. He does currently have Juju Smith-Schuster slotted into play. So could Juju potentially have a big game because, you know, he's coming off of a pretty good game, 22 points uh, the, this previous week against Denver. We'll have to kind of wait and see. He's also got the Eagles defense against um, 
against the Bears, which is an interesting one. Is Fields healthy enough to play this week, Jacob? I'm not sure if you know that off the top of your head. But uh, the Eagles' defense has been pretty solid, um, whereas Jake has the Bills' defense versus Miami, um, which seems on paper to be a tough matchup, but obviously Justin Fields can do a lot of damage with his legs. Um, and then, yeah, as you mentioned, Jamar Chase uh, against Tampa. You know, since Jamar got healthy, he just... Jamar's had a really great year. He's just a really great player. Um, that's really all you can say about that. I think Jamar will deliver. I don't think you'll have to worry about that. Um, and there's also a couple injuries in the Cincinnati receiving group. Looks like Tyler Boyd's going to miss some time. T. Higgins will be questionable this week with a hamstring injury. So that could mean even more production possibly for Jamar Chase. Um, we'll kind of have to wait and see. But Jacob, I think then we did kind of hit on the fact that the quarterback's going to play a pretty crucial uh, bit in this matchup. What do you think about Kirk Cousins against Indianapolis? Yeah, you know, the Colts have just been a dumpster fire this year as well. And But before uh, Justin Fields is playing, he's no injuries, 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 injury designation. Oh, that was brutal. <laughs> um, so he's playing, so that'll be interesting with the uh, Eagles D. But yeah, you know, the Colts, they've been struggling a bit. Uh, you know, Kirk, he's got the one o'clock window, so he's going to be able to tear it up like, you know, he's done in these... Uh, one o'clock <laughs> games. So, you know, I think Kirk's going to have a good game. They're still fighting for, uh, you know, they took a tough loss. So they're going to be trying to keep the ground on uh, getting that first round by. It's looking pretty uh, grim at this point because uh, the Eagles have been uh, continuing to push on. But we'll see how that kind of goes. But I think he's going to have a good game and, and they got to prove it after they had a tough loss against the Lions this week. Jacob, what this is this is separate from this playoff matchup. What what's the verdict on the Minnesota Vikings? Have I been right all year, or are you still not conf- not sure that the Vikings are a bad team? Because they they lost to Detroit, and let's be fair, Detroit's feisty, right? I I'm, earlier I think made accusations that or I made a, I made claims that maybe Dan Campbell should be fired. I I think you know that was probably my my anger over the DeAndre Swift Jamal Williams feud that was coming through. Uh, it seems to, I mean Detroit's been feisty. Obviously they they fought tooth and nail with Buffalo on Thanksgiving. They picked up a huge win uh, against Minnesota with some really huge explosive plays. Jameson Williams got his first career touchdown in a deep pass. DJ Shark had a deep pass for a touchdown. Goff is potentially playing the best ball in his entire career to this point. Um, Detroit is is an outside candidate for making playoffs, depending on how this thing shakes out. They certainly have percentage chance. Um, and Minnesota just, I don't know, Jacob, What do you, am I too critical on Minnesota, or do you really think that there's some significant weakness there? You know, they play a game so close, and, you know, they could we could be looking at them, they could be a three-end uh, fucking... Uh, 10 team right now or whatever the fuck yeah three and ten um if the game shook up the wrong way for him but they've been able to grit out some late games you know that buffalo game comes to mind you know everybody's mm-hmm. saying greatest of the season so far uh plenty others throughout the year you know their one big loss or was to the eagles um before coming into this week so it was like yeah they had a really bad loss but the eagles were rolling at that time but you know i understand where you come from on this but you know you gotta you know they're a fun team all the the well all the uh post game stuff you know uh has been uh kind of fun to follow them all gritting which is uh finally you know slowed down a bit <laughs> i feel like uh in the nfl it's not every single touchdown's a gritty but um 
you know, Justin Jefferson's an animal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you have the best receiver in fantasy, it's like, or in the, in the NFL, which I'm ready mm-hmm. to claim with Justin Jefferson, you know, you can do, you can do a lot of stuff in the playoffs. You know, their defense has been, you know, solid. You, you can't really mm-hmm. say that they've been good, but I, I'm still a believer in the Vikings. I don't think they're making it out of there. I think it's, you know, they were talking about part of my take today. It seems like there's only six teams that can make the Super Bowl at this point uh, with the NFC being Eagles, Niners, Dallas, mm-hmm. and then the AFC, Chiefs, Bills, um, uh, Chiefs, Bills, Miami? and no, I don't think they said Miami. Um, uh, Bengals. The Bengals. Yeah. And, you know, when you kind of look at it, they've really, you know, they're probably the hottest three teams right now. Dallas skipped up a bit, but they've looked <laughs> solid all year. You know, you think you could loop in, like, the Vikings, the Ravens, um, Miami into that kind of play uh, picture, but it's going to be tough down the stretch to see who really can do it. But, yeah, you know, I think the the Vikings could win around. uh Win in the first round, you know they're going to be taking on probably that low seed in the wild card. So Detroit, um, oh yeah, hottest team in the league. So that might not actually work out, you know. But if it comes <laughs> up against like the Commanders or uh, the Giants, I see them, you know, taking that game. So, but they play games close and they're winning games close. And um, if it was the reverse situation, you'd be saying they're the best two and eleven team in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But I guess that's the point of saying that they're the worst, whatever whatever they are, 10-3 and three team. You yeah. know, Jacob, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I think football would be better if the Lions made it into the playoffs and the Giants didn't. Um, just brands of football they're playing right now. I've been a detractor of the Giants all season long, despite, you know, I'm biting, uh, you know, the hand that's feeding me because I, I need Barkley, clearly. But they're just, uh, I don't think they're a good team. I don't think they've been a good team all year. Um, you know, and not like I think that Detroit's the bell of the ball, but they certainly play a more exciting brand of football. They actually have a receiving core that's able to do some stuff. Um, yeah, so I don't know. It'll be interesting. Minnesota is going to play Indy this week. Um, and Indy has not had a great year, but they've been feisty. Um, and I, I fully intend, I don't know what the spread is. I could try and pull it up real quick on my phone. I fully intend Indy to keep that game close. I think Minnesota's offense has been what's kept them from pulling away in games. They tend to do a disappearing act in the second half, cite the New York Jets game, which they almost lost because they did a disappearing act in the second half. But I'm just trying to pull up right now, just real quick, just look at the spread for that game. If minus I four, minus four Vikings. Minus four for the Vikings. Oh, obviously, that was a big storyline. They were underdogs to the Detroit Lions, were they not? Yeah. I think they were three-point dogs. Um, and, <laughs> you know, bada-bing, bada-boom. If I was a betting man, I would have done money line on the Vikings because how often are you going to get a deal like that? Uh, clearly, it didn't come to pass, though. Um, I think and you'll keep the game close. Four points is, is definitely tight. Um, clearly, Vegas has caught on to the fact that Minnesota's not going to be able to pull away. But just to kind of put the bow on top of this, segment here jacob kirk cousins is going to be critical if minnesota is going to get a win this week um, and step one foot closer to clinching the playoffs or clinching their division however that works out for them ultimately um and stino will certainly uh, want to see a solid performance from kirk and that could be the big edge versus you know depending what jake's able to put out there if we get a 20 point performance from kirk and jake struggles to get any production from his quarterback that could certainly be enough to make up the difference because both these guys um have pretty solid you know down ballot 
I guess as you could say, you know, Josh Jacobs and Derrick Henry, I feel like, is close. Fournette and Dave Montgomery, I feel, you know, Fournette's had a weird year. Montgomery's weird, especially now with Fields being so excellent. Devontae Adams is um, and Chase, you know, I think are, are close-ish. Chase has had a little bit more of the health issues. And there are other receivers. You know, Zay Jones has had a fine year. Smith-Schuster's been fine. Devontae Smith's been fine. They're, everybody's pretty comparative. He currently, Jake currently has Devin Duvernay in. I'm not sure if that's who he's going to end up with. Um, that clearly looks like a point of weakness. Um, tight ends, you know, Dalton Schultz has has been okay in spots. Um Missed a couple games due to injury, but has recently been trending up since Dak Prescott came back. You know, close matchup, Jacob. I think ultimately we both kind of decided that quarterback play for for Jake's going to be essential here. Um, uh, but it'll it'll be interesting to see. I think I think that'll be a fun matchup. Do you have any uh, final comments on that matchup? Yeah, no. I just yeah, I want to see what they kind of lock in here. I, you know, we got some good storylines going on with these two matchups here. You know, we got the Joe and uh, Scott back-to-back matchups mm-hmm. uh joe got the win twice this year and we got the battle of the brothers you know there's always going to be some inner fighting there you know there's going to be some bragging rights for a whole year going into this even if neither of them wins the whole thing so um i'm excited for it i would love to see how jake fiddle tweaks with his lineup to kind of perfect it to get it going trial um, by fire yeah um and you know stino is looking to bounce back uh a brutal loss last week so um that would have put him in a completely different situation so we'll just uh see how it comes down on uh saturday sunday thursday and monday um but um before we get into the losers bracket you want to do our little uh your new segment sure break this up a little bit yeah we'll break it up just a little bit um so essentially i'll lay out the segment for you here boys um it's going to be a bit of a trivia based segment essentially what i'm going to do is i have pro football reference open on my computer right now i'm going to pull up a player um and i chose this player that i already picked him earlier in the day for a specific reason a player who i think is gettable but you know it's been a few years since he's played so maybe jacob struggles with him a little bit i'm going to read off his stats from pro football reference i'm going to tell jacob the teams the position the years he played and any other relevant you know accolades uh what have you and see if jacob can can get there depending on how this goes we might do a couple different players if i'm able to do this on the fly um depending on if, if jacob is a savant or not a savant uh jacob are you ready to just get right into this yeah um can i you know no fuck it i'll i'll trial run at this um what were you gonna say cheat i was gonna pull up like a really good player from that stat so i could reference like have a reference but i'm gonna shoot it from the hip so yeah, hit i think it'll be fine i'm gonna lay out a lot of information for you here but i'm gonna try and do it as systematically as i can so i'm gonna start with uh his career length when he played from so this is a guy jacob who played from 2011 to 2017 Okay, so not a super long career, but he was certainly very relevant. This isn't just some Joe Schmuck. This is a guy who was pretty serious in fantasy and a pretty good football player overall, but it was a short career. Um, So, yeah, so from 2011 to 2017, he played a total of uh, seven years. Now, he was originally a third-round pick in the 2011 draft. I don't think that's going to give a ton away there. In terms of teams he's played for, he played for the Dallas Cowboys, he played for the Philadelphia Eagles, and he played for the Tennessee Titans in that order, okay, as you start to formulate. Now, this player was a running back. And as I scan through here to try and give you some relevant stats, he I was... Already got it. I already got it. I already got it. I already got it. You don't want me to give you the relevant... Yeah, let, me just, let me just try to guess. All right, shoot from the hip. 
uh, DeMarco Murray. And Jacob nails it right on. Okay. All right. I figured, I didn't know if that one would be super obvious. The reason why I picked him is because he was a leading rusher in the year 2014. Yeah. So I didn't want to do somebody who was a complete Joe Schmo. Uh, DeMarco Murray had a I, fantastic 2014 season, 1,845 rushing yards, 13 touchdowns, 400 receiving yards. He was uh, the uh, AP Offensive Player of the Year and third in MVP voting. Do you remember uh, DeMarco Murray quite a bit there, Jacob? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, he was the big shot. He was the league winner. Um, uh that one year in fantasy when he broke out for the uh, Cowboys and then, you know, people were thinking he was going to keep it going with Philly, but he couldn't. Um, he, he was still solid, but just never pulled through. But yeah, yeah DeMarco Murray the, was a legend. The age regression came seemingly pretty hard. It, it's tough with running backs. He had a very physical style of running, but for the few years there, he was really excellent. He had a little bit, he had a horrible year with uh, Philly. That was the year they brought in Chip Kelly to coach and that didn't work out. He had a little bit of a resurgence in his first year with Tennessee, got into the Pro Bowl, but but then his career uh, slowly tapered off after that. Um, so yeah, so Jacob ripped right through that. So fair enough. Uh, obviously, I didn't mention, but boys, you can try and play along. I didn't get to uh, unfold all the yeah, information. That I should have waited until the end. Because Jacob is such a genius end. that he um, had to flaunt his, his expertise. Are you ready for another player, Jacob? I've just pulled this one up off the cuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I think this, this guy's also very well known. So we'll see. But I don't know if his career layout will be as helpful as what DeMarco's was. Um, this this guy played from 2006, Jake, up to 2018. So this was a much lengthier career. Okay, he was a former fourth round pick. Um, he played the wide receiver position. His teams were in this order. The Denver Broncos, the Miami Dolphins, the Chicago Bears, the New York Jets, the New York Giants, and the Seattle Seahawks. Do you have a guess off the top of your head? Or do you want me to go through a couple of stats? I need more. I need, I need some. Jacob needs a little bit more. Okay, so this was a good, productive wide receiver. He attended one, two, three, four, five, six Pro Bowls in his career. Uh, he was all pro first team one year and all pro second team another year. Um, the only year in which he led a receiving category was 2015 with the New York Jets. He caught 14 touchdowns, which was good enough to lead the league. Um, but this was a super productive guy. He had um, a string of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, 1,000 yard seasons. Those seasons were split between the Denver Broncos, the Miami Dolphins, and the Chicago Bears. Um, then he had a year drop off. Then he had his good year with the Jets in 2015, where he had 1,500 yards and 14 touchdowns. And then his career kind of tapered 16, 17, and 18, decreasing production, and he eventually faded out of the league. Anybody coming to mind, Jacob? 2006 to 2018, a receiver best known for his time with the Broncos, the Dolphins, and the Bears, and had a, a sort of pop-up resurgence year with the New York Jets in 2015. Are you complete? You know, first guy who came to my mind was Eric Decker, uh, but, you know, he didn't play for all those teams. Um, wide receiver, correct? He is a wide receiver. You, I can see if I can dig. If you, I'm glad this one was a little bit tougher. I felt like an idiot that DeMarco was such an easy guess for you. Um, so, so yeah, so he was drafted with Denver in 2006. Okay, he, I have a hint if you're completely stumped, but 
let me know if you feel like you need more information or if you need a hint or i'm stumped i'm stumped okay so let me give you this hint this guy played for both the broncos and the bears okay now the dolphins were in between but what is interesting about his stints with the broncos and the bears is that he actually ended up playing with the same quarterback now that quarterback was jay cutler who was drafted by Denver and then went on to play for Chicago. So this was a guy whose bulk of his good playing days came with the quarterback, Jay Cutler. Does that help clarify the picture at all? Uh, this is um, this will be interesting. So boys, hopefully you're guessing along at home. If there's yeah, any savants yeah. out there, he had a lengthy career. Um, he's a very good receiver, obviously. Um, played uh, with Denver. Anything coming to mind, Jacob, or it's a complete stumper? Yeah, I got nothing. Do you... Let me see if there's something else that I could give you. You know, Eric Decker was actually a good thought. I don't think these guys ever lined... Actually, these guys might have played on the same New York Jets team. If I looked at the New York Jets 2015 roster... They did. This guy played alongside Eric Decker with the New York Jets in 2015. Does that give you any? No, I got nothing. Okay. So the answer, Jacob, boys at home, if you haven't been able to guess it, is Brandon Marshall. Uh, Not one you were Yeah, I should have known that. I should have known that. I didn't. I was thinking Alshon Jeffrey was Brandon Marshall, but. You know what's funny is that I actually looked at alshon jeffrey's pro football reference page earlier today to decide if i was going to do someone like him because <laughs> i actually what i wondered was what happened to him because uh, his career tailed off there so quick at the end um so yeah so there you go boys uh that was brandon marshall's career he was drafted by the denver broncos the bit i didn't remember from his career was that he played two years with the dolphins i didn't recall that i remembered him as a bronco and as a bear um and i remember him hanging around a little bit with the jets and then he played with the giants and then the seahawks and and away he went. I think he's a part of some NFL media coverage now, if I'm not mistaken. So he's still uh, involved in the game in some regard. Um, Jacob, do we have time? Do you want to go for one more, or do you want to call it there? Do you want to end on a loss? Let's do one more. Let's do one more. I gotta. All right, I you might have to fill some air though, because I have to first think of a player that I think will be irrelevant. All right, I got. I got one for you. you okay. You, uh, do you have the um, page pulled up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, all right. Flip. flip all right. So how are you doing me. this? All right. So he played from 2006. To technic to 2019. Okay. Um, what, do, what do you need? The teams you want next? Yeah, teams helps. Position helps. Uh, he played for San Francisco for. Uh, I already from, have a guess, but. And then he played till 2014. Then he was on, and then he was uh, on Denver, and then back to San Francisco in 2015, and then was on Washington. For four years before retiring after 2019, and he's a tight end. Uh, that's going to be that's going to be the tight end Vernon Davis. Yep, you got it. That you know, it's funny when you because my first thought 2006 2019 49ers was going to be Alex Smith, um, but I thought he did play in 2020. Um, but yeah, when you said the Niners to and then ending on Washington and then Vernon Davis, great player, uh, brother I believe Avante Davis, the former cornerback. I don't think he's still playing football. Um, okay, Jacob. So I actually, during that time, I didn't even look up a player because I was too focused. So <laughs> I'll have to try and pull a player out of my mind here. Unless you don't, unless you want to call it there. Or do you want to do one more player? 
Uh, let's do one more player each. Um, okay. I'll See, I, who is I, I mean, you giving me the years definitely helps, but Vernon Davis was a good player. I can't remember if I had him yeah. in fantasy or not, but I certainly remember uh, the teams he was on. Obviously, he was a part of that. Alex Smith, uh, Frank Gore, 49ers, you know, what have you. Good player all around. That's a nice lengthy career for a tight end. Um, okay, Jacob. So let, Okay. Let me look at this guy's career real quick and see if this is a dead yeah, giveaway. Yeah, yeah. But this is an interesting player. Um, I feel like this is too obvious, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. Are you ready, Jacob? Yeah. This should be... I won't say any. I won't prerequisite. This player played from 2006 to 2015. Uh, he is a wide receiver, and he played his entire career with the New Orleans Saints. So from 2006 to 2015, he played wide receiver every single year of his career for the New Orleans Saints. So he's a rarity where uh, you know he spent his whole career with one team. In his, in his uh, rookie season, he finished uh, second in Offensive Rookie of the Year voting. Um, solid career. He had a stretch of one, two, three, four thousand yard seasons. You know, never really had a bad year. His final year, he only had 500 yards. Um, so, Jacob, any guesses for this uh, lifelong Saints wide receiver? Uh, can you give me the team, the years again? Sure. He played from 2006 to 2015. So he is older, but he does overlap. I'm consi- You know, he did overlap into our fantasy relevance um, there at the end, 2013-2014. Um, yeah, so this is uh, obviously a crucial guy for Drew Brees to throw the ball to. Um, you know, overlap certainly with, with Jimmy Graham's career there. Um, good player, not super outspoken, never crazy, probably never referred to as a top 10 receiver, but a pretty consistent contributor. Um, and he only played for the Saints? He only played for the Saints. See, I don't know if that makes it harder or easier, um, but there's not many guys who spent all their time on one team. Um, but there's also that notion of, well, then he should just be a, so when you go Saints wide receiver, Certainly, this would be a guy who comes to mind if somebody does. Obviously, in recent years, Michael Thomas has sort of taken that, taken that thrown over, is becoming the more reputable, well-known guy. But, but for you know, from 2006 yeah. to 2015, this guy was was the main man. Did I? Am I unfair? Is going to a guy's career who ended in 2015 too unfair? Is that no, too long ago? Because I should know this. You know, the only guy who jumps to mind is Ted Ted Ginn, but he played a lot of he played for, for a lot of for other quite teams. a few different teams. Yeah. Uh, you know, Brandon Cooks kind of bridged that gap between these guys. Um, between him and Michael Thomas, Thomas. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, You're right. I mean, actually, I'm not I sure when Cooks came into the league, but probably, yeah, probably a year or two after this. I can't fucking think of it. What is it? It is going to be Marquise Colston. Oh, that's a fucking good one. Lifelong New Orleans Saints boys, you have to let us know. Um, if you're able to get some of these guys or or whatnot, but yeah, Colston, a player I definitely remember. Um, not as I said, not super flashy, but but certainly a very solid contributor and, and crucial in those Drew Brees years. Uh, got a Super Bowl ring. You know, he was a former seventh round pick. Jacob, did you have one more to try and stump me with? All right, this one might be tough, in- impossible. But he was a pretty good fantasy relevant player okay. for our early years um mm-hmm. running back to the tight end position shorter career Wait, than sorry, anybody. i'm sorry say that one more time running back to the tight 
why am I saying it like that? We're doing it. He's a tight end. Okay. <laughs> when he, I thought he was, I was like, did he start as a running back and transition to tight end? That doesn't happen. All right, go ahead. He he played from 2011 to 2017. Ooh. Um, four, his first four years of his career were on the Denver Broncos. I already know it. Can I guess yeah. what the, in his latter half of his career is with the Jacksonville Jaguars? Yep. See, e- Jacob, you have to easy. keep in mind that I'm a Peyton Manning stan. That's none other than Orange Julius, Julius Thomas. Yep. Yep, you got the nickname as well. They, I No, honestly, that's a great pick. The only hiccup is that I was such a Peyton Manning Denver guy that I know, yeah, you yeah. know, that I know all of them. Julius Thomas was he, good. I can't remember. How, how did he do when he got over to Jacksonville? I know he didn't last uh, much longer once that happened. Played 12 games and nine games oh. in both of those seasons, 455 yards and then 281. So not yeah. great. Five and Peyton. four touchdowns, respectfully. Um, yeah, he, you know, his last year in Denver, he played 10 games as well. But, you know, the year that they, uh, when did they win the Super Bowl, 2015? I believe so, yeah. The year they went to the Super Bowl for the first time, 2013, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that was his big year, you know. 788 yards, uh, 65 receptions, 12 touchdowns, um, you know, 90 targets. So, you know, uh, classic uh, Manning overthrowing him. But um, <laughs> he was, you know, that's what's kind of fun about looking back on these guys. Julius Thomas was a really good player, but ultimately he was kind of like a blip. You know, his uh, period of being really great was, was pretty small, but Denver and that Peyton Manning era between him, Demaryius Thomas, Eric Decker, obviously Emmanuel Sanders was there. Uh, they had Wes Walker for a bit. They uh, really had um, some really great contributors for fantasy. But Julius Thomas, I love it. That's a great pick, Jacob. Thank you. Because I actually probably hadn't thought of Julius Thomas since he retired. Um, I didn't think about it till I pulled Vernon Davis, and I was like, oh, this guy was a fucking stud for a couple years. I got to pull him up. Vernon, I had to go back man. through the Denver Broncos like rosters to find him <laughs> he yeah because i forgot i forgot his uh first name that's what um, um we're getting to the point now we've done fantasy for so long that we've had like guys starting in their entire career like i don't yeah and started by 2011 but pretty much you know all of julius thomas's career occurred uh while we were doing fantasy football obviously he faded um that's what you said 2011 to 2017 yeah i think he that's the same exact career window as demarco murray um so both guys who got hot for a minute and then uh and then kind of kind of faded off but but we still remember them so boys let us know if you like that segment let us know if you were able to get uh, a couple of those guys right um you know jacob tried to stump me obviously it's pretty darn hard because i'm just i'm just built like that jacob you know i may not be able to put a fantasy football team on the field that can win but i can name players from 10 years ago that had you know one or two relevant uh fantasy football seasons uh but that was fun jacob i had fun with that um, but with that being said, uh, I guess it's time for us to move into the consolation, uh, or the losers bracket games. If you want to take a quick look at those, Jacob. Yeah, let's go do uh Brian versus nut. Um, you know, we're at a tail of the tape kind of, again, you know, a team that's lost four straight and then a team that's won two straight. Nuts team has been pretty solid. You know, he's won a, uh, a couple of the uh, most points for um, per the week uh, earlier in the season, but he could just never put it all together and keep his team riding. You know, he made some trades, picked a try to get Cooper Cup. Uh, unfortunately, went to IR. A couple uh, other guys. You know, he uh, um, 
he made that fleece trade with Jake, um, <laughs> Zay Jones for Travis Etienne. Um, ended up turning that into Cooper Cup, ended not working out. But he's got one of the best fantasy players uh, in the past couple weeks, Christian Watson, who you know on some playoff teams in other leagues will be a might be a league winner. But um, and then yeah, Brian's been on a, a downward spiral recently. You know, Jonathan <laughs> Taylor, the number one pick, hasn't worked out to what he's want. Lamar Jackson's hurt. You know, we'll see if he can go, but I think what signs are pointing to is he's not going to be playing. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, what are you kind of looking at in this matchup? Um, it, it just I like looking at the CSPN view. You get to see the position ranks. Um, Brian has two position rank number one players. Um, the downside is they might not be the guys you want to have number one, or I mean, you take them, but maybe not the guys that you'd hope for. He's got the number one defense, the Dallas Cowboys. He's got the number one kicker to nobody's surprise, Justin Tucker, team namesake, obviously. So he's got that going for him. He's also got Tyree Kill. Um, and I think that's really the guy you have to look at here. Uh, Jared McKinnon had a really great week for uh, Casey last week. It's just tough week to week. Um, who's going to be kind of the back getting the amount of points. We know Jarek's a really great pass catcher. Um, but I think this team starts and ends with Tyreek Hill. Um, he's got that huge matchup. We've talked about it already. I, Jacob, it's going to be a lot of fun. Miami and Buffalo is going to be a lot of fun. Um, just a lot of great fantasy relevance, but just a good matchup overall. Tyreek's had just an amazing year. Um, you know, he's found a, a resurgence to his career here in Miami. Clearly, things have worked out. Um, he's had great touchdown production, um, stacked. The, the stat sheet, uh, the last time, I'm just taking a quick look here, that he played Buffalo was all the way back in week three. Uh, if you guys remember that game, the Miami Dolphins ended up winning um, a pretty close one. The Bills tried to put together a last-minute drive, didn't come to pass. Uh, was actually Tyreek Hill's worst game of the year. He just had two catches for 33 yards, was only targeted four times, managed just 5.3 points. That was his only game uh, um, not being double digits there on the whole season. So does Buffalo have the book on him? Uh, they'll have to head to Buffalo, which is not an easy place to play. Um, we shall see. But as I said, I think that's the X Factor of Brian. You flip it to the other side and take a look at Nutter's team. You made a good mention of Christian Watson. He's been really explosive over the last month. Ayuk and Christian Kirk have both put together nice seasons. They're both in the top 20. Christian McCaffrey is that dude. Um, and Gino. Gino on the short week, coming off of the tough loss. You know, that's another matchup that's definitely worth watching. Gino has just been a contributor, though. Even even if the outcome hasn't gone the way they would have liked, you know, he still put up 20 points last week. Um, Zonovan Knight, who apparently, I, I believe his nickname is Bam Knight, which is a great nickname, um, has put together three really solid weeks, man. That Jets team is feisty. They've had a lot of injuries, um, including, you know, just benching their former first-round overall pick. His career might be dead in the water. Sorry, Zach Wilson. They got a lot of guts. I think Robert Sala, just, that's kind of what he brings out, is just really gutsy performances. You know, Nutter's got a fun team. Like, that's a really feisty loser's bracket team. But you mentioned, I'm assuming Jonathan Taylor is going to slot in um, for Brian this week um, in place of, uh, well, I guess probably the flex because he's got Daniel Bellinger in there for some reason. Um, or I guess, I don't know, if Brian played Daniel Bellinger last week. I'm not sure. Um, but should be an interesting matchup. I mean, on paper, Jacob, I don't think one guy screams, um, I can do it. McCaffrey and I think Tyreek Hill are the guys for each team that can sort of put the team on their back and win. Uh, McCaffrey plays on Thursday against Seattle. And, uh, as we mentioned, Tyreek will go against Buffalo on Saturday. So by Sunday, Jacob, um, there should, you know, the cattle kind of be out of the bag on what we're going to see from this matchup. Cause we will have seen both both of the uh, the biggest players go. Are you leaning one way or the other in this matchup? You know, 
Uh, just to mention it, he did start uh, Bellinger in his flex last week. He's just he had a n- bunch of. Not to cut you What's off. Up? Not to cut you off, but did you ever see the original? Now Daniel Bellinger missed uh, the middle portion of the season um, with I don't know what the official designation was—a fractured eye socket or something like that. Did you ever see <laughs> his injury? Because no, I did not. It was gruesome. He just caught like a uh, like a five yard down and out, and he went to turn up field, and one defender crashed to his legs, and another guy came around his head area. His hand went straight in between. That's why. I- if I was a player, I'd wear a visor. I don't know why everybody doesn't wear a visor if they're going to carry the ball. But his hand went straight in, and apparently with such force that it, I think, it, I believe it fractured his eye socket. He his, he was bleeding from his oh eye um, and had to have, uh, I believe, surgery to, to correct that. But he's clearly a trooper as he's been back out there. Um, that's a tough spot to be in, Brian. I'm sorry that you had to start Bellinger in your flex. He scored more points than both my receivers combined, so I can't really throw any flack <laughs> there. But obviously, he's going to slot out this week, and uh, he's going to get Jonathan Taylor back in there. Two competitive matchups, or two competitive teams, rather. Um, you know, for the loser's bracket, I, you know, there's some talent here. It's not pretty, but there's, uh, I think, some feisty players overall. And still, as we mentioned, a couple of flash players between Tyree Kill, Christian McCaffrey, and Jonathan Taylor, you know, can still do it. Um, he, he's been better since since they've changed coaching staff over there, so so don't completely rule him out. And Elliot has still found value, despite Tony Pollard being... <laughs> So goddamn good. Uh, Elliot still is a bruiser for Dallas and, and still effective as he is. Um, uh, just another note: uh, these guys did match up in Week Five, and Brian took the matchup one twelve point eight to eighty point four. So Nutter's certainly going to have to generate a little bit more offense if he wants to grab the win this week. Jacob, you want to bring us into the other losers bracket matchup? Yeah, let's go into the two high scores of last week. Uh, we got Caden versus Bryce to kind of round out our uh, matches coming into this first week of playoffs. Um, you know, it's been kind of a rough season for both of them. We had Bryce on, uh, that was last week, right, I believe? Yep. Um, I mean, these weeks, <laughs> they blur. They all blend together. Um, yeah, you know, he talked about how he had a disappointing season, but, you know, his team came together last week. Evan Ingram had an a show stomping show stopping performance uh last week 40 points for for Bryce to really put him over the edge and seal that deal but um you know these guys you know put up some good runs here at the end but it was just too late to really seal the deal we talked about Caden's unfortunate uh late season push you know he had a couple of pretty bad losses early on that allowed him to have that big deficit against Scott. So, you know, he comes into here um, and he's going to try to just get through it. But this matchup is going to be fun. You know, we got some uh, heavy hitter, heavy hitter players. You know, Bryce got the number one uh, running back fantasy in Austin Ackler. DeAndre Hopkins has been a, a pretty solid. He's been a monster pretty much uh, putting up 20, 30, 13, 19, 18, 18, 12 in his past since he's come back. So, you know, he's been a solid player. Keenan Allen, I'm not sure what he's been doing. Uh, you know, tw- two back-to-back 20 points performances. You know, Njoku's looks solid, so we'll see uh, if he's going to play. Um, still got the questionable uh, designation, but um, I assume he'll put Fields into that lineup where, you know, Fields has been a monster throughout this year. But, yeah, both these teams are going to be good, and it's going to be interesting. Who's popping out to you for these guys? Yeah, Jacob, you know, I look at these these rosters and I, you know, obviously both these guys are in loser's bracket, but I think both these teams could be competitive at the next level and, and winner's bracket just didn't end up shaking out that way. Um, 
Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler is just a really fun combo. You know, Eckler's the number one back in fantasy. Herbert's in the, in the top 10 for quarterbacks right now. CeeDee Lamb's had a great year. You mentioned Ingram. Uh, Ingram, who, who, in case you guys missed it, was, was a part of a trade. I dealt, a, I dealt Evan Ingram uh, back a couple... Uh, I don't know how long it's been. It's been a month, probably. It looks like it says November 10th here. I traded him for uh, Mecole Hardman, who immediately was placed on the IR and hasn't played a game since. But <laughs> that was great. But uh, Ingram posted a 39-point game, and uh, that got him tight end number four on the year, Jacob. That's how shallow that tight end class has been. Ingram's been <laughs> fine. I mean, he's he's been okay. But, you know, he's had one-point game, five-point game, two-point game, three-point game, four-point game. You know what I mean? So a 40-point game basically put him as a top-five tight end on the year. Are we going to expect to see that going forward? I don't know. But talk about another guy who had a show-stopping performance was a Jerry Judy. Three touchdowns. Um, wow. Uh, this week, they're in a matchup against Arizona. Obviously, the health of Russell Wilson is now questionable, and, and so we're going to have to wait and see um, what that's able to produce. But then you flip it over. On the Caden side, you mentioned he's probably going to slot Justin Fields back in, who's just been almost guaranteed to get some kind of lengthy rushing touchdown in, in every game he plays. Miles Sanders is a part of that really fantastic Philly offense. James Conner's kind of found his stride in recent weeks. DeAndre Hopkins, since returning from his suspension, has been excellent, but how will he fare with Colt McCoy quarterback? Keenan Allen's been injured, as he almost always is every single season, but when healthy, he's very productive. And as you mentioned, Njoku's kind of found an in uh, with quarterback Deshaun Watson, so we'll have to see um, what that looks like going forward, and then you'll see Terry McLaurin on Sunday night. I, I you know, I can't really highlight anybody in particular because I think both these teams are good. This should be a fun matchup to watch. I think I think there's a lot of studs involved in this. Um that tight end position, you know what I mean? It could be a fun one to watch depending on how, you know, it certainly looks like Bryce is going to go with Ingram again uh this week. They play Dallas, which is a tough matchup for sure, and Ingram's been up and down. Um, and Njoku and, and really has, has been the more consistent of the two players, but between uh, being banged up and whatnot, hasn't maybe been able to put together as good of a season as he could have had. Still top 10, um, all things considered. But yeah, fun matchup. They projected 118.6 to 117.7. Jacob, I, I kind of think this one's too close to call. These guys did match up in week nine. Uh, Caden laid it down 142.9 to 83.1. Wasn't close at all. Um, I think we can expect this matchup to be a little bit tighter, um, but should be a fun one overall. Do you have any other comments on the matchup? Yeah. Uh, no, it's going to be close. You know, Judy had the huge game last week. We'll see if he could do it without uh, Russ. You know, that, that offense came, came alive. Um, but, uh, I'll, it's interesting to see if he could keep it up. Judy's been pretty solid here, uh, before he, uh, got injured. And then now that he's back, he's, he looked good. Uh, but you know, Caden, you know, he gave it his all this year. Uh, he, he dealt the, the trades, you know, he was trying to make it in and I, it would have been scary to face Caden in that first round. So I, I think I give Caden the edge, even with Bryce having that huge performance, but it's going to be fun, uh, to see what happens in this one. Uh, I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on all these matchups, but um, I don't know. There's there's a lot of fun uh, things that could happen. Uh, you know, some upsets coming in here. Uh, you know, which I don't know when, when you're not doing a uh, when there's buys involved in this, it's tough to get mm-hmm. these upsets because you know just the way um, you know math works and stuff. Uh, you well, know, the Jacob, two teams like, got the buys where what would we consider most, upsets this week? Are, are we concerned? Yeah. Would, would Jake would Jake over Sino be an upset? Or yeah, how? I would probably say those are the biggest, especially with Jake being against the wall here with Kyler out. Yeah, that's and, what I think makes the uh, difference. And then Bryce, you know, just had a pretty abysmal year, but he's come into this pretty hot uh, at the end of the year. 
Um, you know, I think Caden, I'd be leaning his way. Uh, so I think Bryce would be an upset if he takes down Caden. Um, you know, the other losers bracket matchup, you know, it's, they've both, uh, mm-hmm. been, uh, pretty lackluster. You know, Brian had a chance to keep in the playoffs, but just took some, some bad, uh, end of the season lock here, fell four straight games or whatever it was, three. Um, but yeah, no, it's exciting. I'm really excited to see what goes down on these matchups, especially, you know, I'm going to keep my eyes pretty close to the Steno Jake, uh, matchup because I'm going to be playing them most likely, uh, I'm not exactly sure how uh, the if it reseeds. I don't think it reseeds. I think it's. I don't understand other. that. Why doesn't it? Why does? Why wouldn't it? Shouldn't it be you automatically face lowest seed depending on the outcome? I could check the rules, and you know, you I know, just I never. Just I forget do what. A, I don't know if it, it was the the newest MLB playoff format, but it's like different now, where it's not automatically like lowest seed plays highest seed or whatever. So I don't know how exactly that breaks down but but we'll be fun um jacob as you said i think we got a great slate to watch here that i think both of our both of our playoff uh our winners bracket playoff matchups i think are fully deserving i think we got four good teams that should be in line to battle it out and we got two stud teams waiting in the wings on their bye weeks uh letting their players rust up except for the fact that actually their players aren't going to rest up so hopefully nobody (laughs) gets injured um in games that that won't affect the fantasy outcome but uh but yeah i mean overall I i think we got uh, a loaded slate this week and i think we have a fun matchup or a fun slate of nfl games which i think will help contribute um you know that's kind of the other side of the coin is the fantasy football matchups are one thing but do you get actual fun matchups in real life to watch uh, along with it and i think the case for that is yeah i mean uh, a lot of teams in the nfl are really close so a lot of these matchups mean a whole lot um to a bunch of these teams yeah um, before we get into the power rankings, you want to do a quick Browns talk? Are you in any mood for that? Like, yeah, so we, we I, I think we got a 0.4 point, uh, <laughs> 0.4% chance of making playoffs at this point. So we're done. Pretty so much. it's kind of, uh, the Browns playing spoiler ball here. You know, we got the Ravens and the Steelers on the schedule going to try to, uh, go above that put us at 500. If we win these, no, it'd put us above 500. If we win both of these, right in the um, division. Let me take. I'm trying to pull up the uh, the Browns. One and one against the Bengals. One and one against the Ravens. We're five two and, and eight against the Steelers. We're five and eight. Do you mean I'm fi- saying just in the division? Oh, in the division. Um, which is, you know, it's doable. You know, we got the Ravens this week. We'll see what we can do on that. You know, it's just really just going to be progress at this point. Um, you know, JOK just got put on IR. He's done. So we're yeah. we don't have any starting linebackers anymore. Mm-hmm. Um. The entire, you know, the secondaries looked pretty weak. Um, I don't know. Uh, Denzel Ward, you know, it makes that contract look terrible um, just from, like, I don't know, some of these effort plays in these games. You know, you, you go back to that Jets game where he just let the let uh, fucking, who was it, Corey Davis or Garrett Wilson just r- walk right past him. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Where do you go with the Browns? Are you firing Joe Woods? Are you on that camp? You do. You, do you, are you going fire Kevin Stefanski? Um... It, the thing is, is I think Joe Woods is hard to say. Um, I feel like since he hasn't been fired yet, he probably won't be. Um, the thing is, Stefanski, I think, is going to be given a a like a kind of a free year. 
Um, people didn't necessarily expect Watson to play any games this year at all. So I think it was already kind of getting chalked up to, well, there's a, there'll be next year and we'll go in serious next year. Now, whether that's fair or not, I'm not sure. The Browns certainly could be in the playoff position right now, but had a couple of really horrible losses um, in the early portion of the season. You mentioned the collapse in the New York game. I, Jacob, let's be frank. If we had come into the year with Deshaun Watson and we lost the game to New York, Stefanski might have got fired. That's simply a game that you can't lose. Um, you know, this isn't Stefanski's rookie year. Um, but he has had uh, he's had his ups and downs. In terms of where do the Browns go from here, uh, you got to try and build on the base you got. You know, I don't know if that there's any splash moves that need to be made. I think you need to shore up the depth this upcoming offseason. I think it's chemistry building. You know, I, one of my kind of tenants for good football teams is is chemistry. You know, people often expect that you put names on papers and their names on paper and then the product on the field reflects that. And that's almost never the case. You know, you have to build chemistry with these guys. They have to figure out their timing. Offensive linemen have to figure out their timing. That's why I always get aggravated when like a team like Cincy will make three or four major signings and or draft picks in the offseason to address their offensive line issues. Joe Burrow still got sacked a ton this year. It's not that simple. Um, you're talking about having five guys work together in unison. That's not an easy thing. That just doesn't happen overnight. The same thing applies to quarterbacks and their wide receivers and tight ends. That just doesn't happen. Deshaun Watson had the added um, disadvantage of not playing football together for a couple of years, which is another, you know, I was talking to my dad the other day and it, it, that situation's never really happened. Uh, what happened with Watson, as far as at least in modern history, where a quarterback missed that amount of time uh, and came back in with a new team like that, just um, isn't something that occurs. So, you know, while there may be the inclination to burn things down and let's get started again, is Stavansky going to be a good enough coach for this team to win? I think that question still is yet to be answered. So if I was upper management for Cleveland, I wouldn't be sold on Stefanski. I would be ready to make a change. You know, I, I don't think that he should feel safe um, because this team has lost a lot of games. And here's the ultimate thing with the NFL. Yes, clearly the expectation was, you know, Jacoby Brissett's going to bridge the gap until Watson gets back. So make of that what you will. But ultimately, you have to go out there and coach for four quarters each week. And simply put, this team has not been good this year. Um, this team has not played good four quarters of football all year. And that's as much a representation of the coaching as it is on the players. Um, so I think there needs to be a special attention paid to that. Um, and that's before we ever get to... I mean, look, Jacob, at what Denver's had to deal with this year with Russell Wilson and look at where they're at. Um, things are far from guaranteed and it's far from guaranteed what we're going to see from Watson going forward. So I think, unfortunately, the Browns are very much in a wait and see position. I think you have to attack this offseason like you're just doing your job, building up the team, building up the depth. Clearly, the defensive line still needs more work. Um, the linebacking core obviously got, got killed with injuries this year, so it, it could be fine when it's all healthy and, and all good, but... Um, I think it has to be a disappointing year. I, I hope guys are angry going into next year, and I hope that people aren't just ready to write this year off just because um, they didn't have Watson for the majority, so who cares anyway? I, I think that uh, it's foolish to to assume games are meaningless. You know, it's kind of become rampant recently where there appears to be teams tanking. <clears throat> Houston Texans would be one that would come to mind in recent history. Um, every week matters. I mean, you know, granted, point out the Texans, look at what they did against the Dallas Cowboys this week. It's any given Sunday um, that they have to go out there and fight. And, and by and large, I think most people should be disappointed uh, inside and outside the organization with the product the Browns put on the field this year. They got four weeks left to clean it up. 
Um, and I hope that they try their very best to do that. But I think they go into this offseason with as many questions as when they entered it. How are you feeling about the Browns, Jacob? Yeah, you know, it's it's a real big depth chart uh, kind of question you got going around here. Um, uh, you know, there's there's we got some really good players on the team, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, you got Watson, who's going to be here next year. Um, you got uh, Chubb, who's locked up for, what, three more years after this? Maybe, maybe two. Mm-hmm. I forget what he signed. Four-year, three-year deal. So. Um, Amari Cooper's here for another two years. That's club option. So, um, you know, if he has a bad year next year, we could cut him. That doesn't hit our cap space at all. Um, and then DPJ's been looking good these past couple weeks. So the thoughts, you know, you bring in another wide receiver, you know, whether, you know, um, Barry goes, looks to do another fifth round trade for a guy that's on like a bad team. You know, maybe Brandon Cooks is looking to get out in the offseason. <laughs> we'll see what's going on there. Um, I know that was the talk this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know who's free agents, but, you know, you, you definitely want to be in the talk and trying to bring in a number two or three receiver. Najoku's looked good this year. Hopefully he can stay healthy next year. Um, but we have eight picks. We have our, our round two next year. So, you know, you're hoping somebody slides to us. Maybe you package your two and three. You try to trade up into the late uh, first. Get a good uh, defensive tackle. Um, you know that's usually D tackles usually go late in the first, right? Or it just kind of depends on talent. It kind of depends on talent, but yeah, they're generally not going to be seen in the top ten a ton. Yeah. So you know, you know, I've I've trust in Barry. You know, this season makes it not seem like it, but you know, he fleeced Dallas on getting. Cooper mm-hmm. here, who's had a good year. Um, hopefully, you know, that's the biggest thing in these last couple of games is the Watson Cooper, Watson Njoku, Watson DPJ. Um, you're probably going to want to look for a, a second running back uh, to keep Chubb, uh, you know, loose for later into the season. We don't want to just be running him into the ground. You're probably going to be looking for a new center, right tackle kind of situation there. Um, so maybe that's in our, our first two picks. You're lo- going to be looking for another safety, another line, another three linebackers. I, I don't know if uh, Walker's going to be coming back to the same form after being out this whole year. Hopefully Taki Taki can pick it up after his injury. He's looking pretty solid for us at the end here, especially that Bengals game. But it's bad. Um, you know, I think we fired Joe Woods. You know, he's always started slow into the, in the, into the league. You know, he's had immense talent around him. Um, the locker room has been, you know, the reports have been iffy saying that they're not adjusting enough. You don't know if that's, you know, Stefanski's in the, in the head of woods or if it's all woods decision there. Um, you know, maybe bring in, uh, you know, who was the, uh, Vikings, uh, old head coach that just fired Kubiak, um, that they just fired. Yeah. Who did they just I fire thought it was last Zim- year? Mike, Mike Zimmer. Yeah. Mike Zimmer. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's anywhere right now. I think he took a year off. I heard a rumor saying, you know, bring him in. Uh, no, the connection with Stefanski, know, yeah. Yeah, you'd wonder if that'd be like a, a butting of heads thing there. Uh, the the apprentice, now the master. But, <laughs> you know, it would be cool to have him. You know, he's always had, you know, pretty solid defenses. The Vikings had some solid defenses back in the, in the, mm-hmm. uh, in the late 2010s there. So, I don't know. It's it's been disappointing, you know. You thought Watson was going to have four game suspension. You thought you'd only have to ride Jacoby that long, and you know the offense looked like well, they were they were top ten offense this year or something like that. 
with Jacoby at the helm, Jacoby played well, so you can't really say anything bad about him. You know, I'm going to be rooting for him wherever he goes. I I thought he did everything that he mm-hmm. like was expected to do and more. So, you know, hopefully Cade York can, you know, he spent a fourth-round pick on him last year. Didn't look great throughout yeah. the season. I just can, just for a minute, and this is not anything intentional towards Cade York, but I just scratch my head at the idea of a team who still needed more depth, right? And just dealt a significant amount of draft picks for the future um, to use a pick on Cade York. And it's not because of who he is as a player, but just, you know, you know, Jacob, I don't, I just don't know if I, if I love like that idea of building a team. I'm actually looking at the draft board right now to see who went, who went after um, Cade York just to see if there's anybody who jumps off the page. It's like, oh, wow, well, we could have got this guy, you know, and I'm not, I'm not necessarily seeing anybody. It could be too early to tell. You're talking about the wide receiver, Romeo Dobbs didn't go after and, and Calvin Austin did, who hasn't seen any playtime this year. But um, yeah, I don't think it, I don't think this team is as far as it might feel, but I, like, as I echoed earlier, I just don't think that it would be fair for people to write it off because because Watson didn't play. Uh, the Browns could have... You look, as I'm just looking through the schedule, Jacob, there was the Jets game that was a loss that was close. The Atlanta game that was lost, lost that was close. The Chargers that was a loss that was close. The New England one wasn't. Baltimore that was lost that was close. You know, right there is four games, right? If you split that, you're in a completely different spot than you are right now. And I think that you have to look hard at who you are as a team and who you are as a coach that you lost those games. Um, right, we talked about Minnesota coming out on the, the positive side of a lot of games like that, right? And, and that's kind of that's the needle that you have to thread in the NFL if you want to be an effective team. Um, I, you know, I pulled up just to take a look at the free agent wide receivers this off season. Uh, it's not a loaded class. Um, there's no saviors. Um, depth pieces for sure. Obviously, Amari Cooper and DPJ seem like guys that you could maybe build around. Um, that you don't necessarily need another stud on top of them. They do have. Uh, DJ Shark coming back to free agency. I guess he only signed a one-year deal with the Detroit Lions. If you know me from last offseason, I really thought that he... I, my dream plan, Jacob, before... And I did believe this was documented. I think Scott might be able to back me up on this. But my dream plan for the Browns, this was prior to the Deshaun Watson trade, was to use our first-round pick. And actually, I don't know if it would have worked out that we wouldn't have been able to get him at that number. I think he went earlier, just barely. But Chris Olave and signed DJ Shark in the offseason. I thought that would have done a nice blanket job for a wide receiver. Just thought that Chris Olave um, was the type of wide receiver that you could use a first-round pick. This team has clearly struggled to draft wide receivers. David Bell, I think the jury's still way out on. Um, and, uh, you know. I don't know. It, it's tough, Jacob. This is the life that you have to live as a Browns fan. It's never going to be pretty. But yeah, the, the there is a good team in there. It's just, do they need more talent or do they need better coaching to really bring it out? Or do they need time? The thing in the NFL is you time's a precious commodity and you're usually not going to get it. Uh, you know, you're not going to get a lot of time to wait. We'll see how patient uh, upper management is with Stefanski if they don't. Um, depending on how they finish out the season, right? If the, if the Browns lose four games, maybe they decide to take a different look. Um, I think that they should very much view these next four games as dress rehearsals, that they should go in every single week trying to win and trying to put out their best product that they can. Um, you know, each week is a new opportunity to to become a better team together. Um, there's no reason to wait until next season. 
Yeah. You know, you, you don't get anything for losing. You don't have the first round pick. So um, you just got to go out there and, uh, you know, you hope the guys can click. Um, you hope uh, you can keep Chubb healthy, knock on wood on that. But because, mm-hmm. you know, he's probably our biggest, he's our, he's our number one guy that we don't have to put any question marks on mm-hmm. um, coming out of this. You know, Miles Garrett's got to, you know, he's got to do more. He, he gets he gets by with like minimal criticism. You know he'll get called out, but he's he's got to do more. Um, you know the interesting note gonna... is that Garrett does grade out well. That here's the tough thing with with defensive ends, and I haven't watched a ton of the Browns this year for for a few different reasons, but um, I have reviewed some different stat pages that put together things. Obviously, when you look at a defensive end, you go to the sack number. It is the first thing you want to take a look at to see how proficient. We, we know Miles Garrett is, is an effective pass rushing defensive end. And, you know, purely on sacks alone, I don't know where Garrett sits, Jacob. I don't believe he, he is leading the league, or I think he's maybe a couple sacks short of leading the league. I'm not sure where he officially physically slots out. We know that he's certainly a guy capable of doing that. Um, but his, like, deeper analytic grades, which... Um, we've learned the Browns are very heavily an analytic team. Uh, Garrett does grade out really great. And and that's just kind of one of those things where are analytics the solution? Because there's an eye test thing, right? I, you know, if I was going to be involved in football, I would base a lot of what I do on my eye, just watching guys play and just seeing what they do. Clearly, that's the modern NFL isn't exactly like that anymore. There, there's a lot of analytics that go into it um, in terms of what they think makes a player productive. You know, I think ultimately there's probably some line in between. Too much analytics is bad. Too much eye test is bad. You have to end up somewhere in between. But um, yeah, I don't, you know, right. And what you've seen by eye, you know, maybe Garrett doesn't blow you away as much as you might think he should. But I think as the organization, they're probably extremely happy with the numbers they're getting back. But then that there is kind of that that dissonance, you know? Why? What do we do if if the eye doesn't match up with the with the deeper analytics? Yeah, we'll see what Barry can do in the off season. You know, he's probably got another two years left in him if he can't get it. Can't show any prior, you know, the regime might be done here pretty soon when we thought, you know, we had, you know, a future with these guys uh, for 10 years, but w- there's going to be a lot of questions to be answered next year. But that's enough of the depressing Browns talk. <laughs> we'll uh, get into more, uh, you know, you know, late uh, next year, you know, after all the drafts and, and stuff, uh, we could talk a little bit more about that. Everybody's going to be monitoring it once, you know, the hype starts building, you know, mm-hmm. the the Deshaun Watson throw into Amari Cooper in the Bahamas come out, all <laughs> those uh, those videos come out. We're going to be uh, the Browns to the Super Bowl like we did this year, <laughs> two well, years clearly, ago. I mean, I think the expectation for next season has to be playoffs. Yeah. Um, and I think if they were, obviously there's a number of factors. I think if they were to miss playoffs next year in almost every circumstance, you would have to consider starting over um, from top down. Um, because this team, a lot of this team's core needs to go right now. I know Watson's the newest piece here, but when you talk about the offensive line, when you talk about some of those excellent perimeter guys at the cornerback position, um, and yeah, and Denzel has been up and down with the injuries especially, but but we have a couple of guys that really do a lot of the cornerback position for us. Next season has to be a serious competition um, for playoffs, you know? So I, I when you say, yeah, Super Bowl clearly is always going to be on the mind, but um, next year is, I think, should be 
make or break for for everybody from Barry down to Stefanski um, should be a, a make or break year. That's just I think the way that it needs to be. Um, so based on the situation, um, they're going to have to learn fast. Deshaun Watson's going to have to get going. That's why I think these next four games are are important. That uh, that they need to start clicking. This offense needs to start firing. Um, and it's a quick turnaround, clearly, but that's just kind of how the NFL's built. Stuff's got to get got to get going. Um, but yeah, Jacob, unless you had any other further comments on the Browns, I think we can roll this into our final segment um, and we can take a look at the power rankings for this week. What do you say, Jacob? Yeah, let's, let's uh, bring it in. Uh, why don't you hit us with number 12? Sure. So, boys, this will be, uh, well, I don't want to speak for you, Jacob, but I believe this will be our final power rankings for the season. So this will be our Correct. definitive final edition. Once we get into the playoffs, we're just going to focus on, on each of those matchups individually. I think, you know, the power rankings loses its merit. Also, you know, boys, we have to pay the power rankings committee, you know, every week to put these things together. And we just kind of got sick and tired of their bullshit this year. Um, that way, and we ran out of money. So we're just, we're just going to be done with them. But uh, to kick off our final power rankings for the 2022 season, uh, number 12 is going to be Aiden. Uh, he he obviously finished in, in last place, tied with me for record, but last in terms of points for us. So he gets the overall number 12 spot in the standings and also in the power rankings. You know, all Aiden can look forward to now is avoiding uh, eating the wings. Elsewise, he's got to start thinking about next year. Who's number 11, Jacob? Coming in at number 11, it's you, Johnny. Uh, very disappointing end of the season for you. You're slotting it at 11. You're going to try to get out of that wing position. Who's at 10? Yep. Depression, Jacob, would be the word for that. And number 10, another guy who hit a slide. Uh, it, it was tough to see. Brian's team was competitive for a long time there, but... Um, down the down the stretch, struggled to put together a couple of wins that he would have needed. He finds himself at the ten spot um, to end things off. Who's number nine? Coming in at number nine is a guy who put up the most points last week. He really bolstered his position uh, to try to get out of this uh, wing eating contest. Uh, it's Bryce. Bryce takes the nine spot. Who's at eight? At number eight, it was it's going to be one of the more feistier teams on the year. Nutter's going to take up the number eight spot. You know, it didn't start off pretty. Um, he he was he was a little more competitive there in the middle toward the end of the season. Um, feisty squad. We'll have to see how he finishes out in the losers bracket, though. Who's number seven? Coming in at number seven, it's a guy who's just been skidding along. You know, he makes the playoffs at that last seed. It's Scott. Scott takes the seventh spot. Who's at six? So obviously a bit of a flick of the finger there to scott that he gets placed outside of the top six um but you know caden's team is going to be number six this week and clearly he, he's he been hot as can be uh, to finish off the season he just uh the hill was a little bit too much to to overcome you know the, the way he started out the season but he's going to finish number six um which concerning the way things started off i think caden has to be pretty happy with ending up right here in the middle of the power rankings who's number five coming in at number five it's uh jake Jake has uh, been skating along as well, like Scott, but you know he's he locks up the five seed, um, and he's going to be uh, going up against uh, the guy who's at number four. Who's at number four? Yeah, number four. And there you go. You got the symmetry there between the brothers at the four and five spots. Steel's going to take the number four spot. Just really finished the season eight and six. Just kind of a good year all around. Uh, you know, Stino, solid team, and we'll look forward to seeing him this week in the uh, the first round of the playoffs. Who's number three? Coming in at number three, it's the guy who's lights out he's been red hot it's uh joe joe's at three he uh could not make the push for the buys but he's secured himself uh the number three position and he is going to be a force to reckon with who's at number two 
At number two, he's enjoying a cushy bye week this week after a very solid regular season. Jack's going to take up the number two spot. You know, he spent a good chunk of the season at number one with the hot start that he had, but he ends up at number two. Not too bad, all things considered. Had a pretty solid season all the way around. Who's number one? Coming in at number one, it stayed the same uh, for these past couple weeks. It's me. I've been on a nine-game win streak uh, to head into this playoffs. I got the number one seed, and I'm looking to get that thrown back. So, uh, you know, I've enjoyed the season so far but you know job's not done i got i got a week to sit and observe but um you know i gotta make some moves here to kind of make it for the end but johnny it's been a fun episode and you know i'm excited for the playoffs um any last things you gotta say uh yeah just a quick quick run through obviously boys this is a jam-packed week um while for some it's a somber one obviously is is half the league uh, makes their way over to the loser's bracket. There's still a lot of fun action left to be had. We still have to decide who the wing eater is going to be, and there's also some great matchups um, for our winner's bracket. But just to run you through a couple of the pertinent games, make sure, obviously, to get your lineup set for the Thursday night game between the 49ers and the Seahawks, and then we also get the extra curveball of Saturday games coming back to the schedule. So there's going to be three on Saturday, the Colts-Vikings, the Ravens and the Browns, and then the nightcap will be the Dolphins and the Bills. Um, obviously, say it's every week, but just make sure you get your lineup set, get your waiver wire acquisitions strained out because we still got games left to play, boys. Even if, uh, even if uh, you know you're not going for the winner anymore. Um, but yeah, Jacob, uh, it's been an excellent regular season with you. Obviously, this is only just the start of what will be some fun postseason coverage here on the Thronely Podcast. Thanks as always, boys, for joining us. Uh, it's been a blast, and we'll see you guys next week. See you, boys.